This podcast is presented to you by Pastors Tom and Bonnie DeShal from Celebration Church in Harare, Zimbabwe. For more information, please visit celebrationmen.org. Hallelujah. Now, um, our theme this month is share his love as uh, we build up towards action. And uh, I want to carry on uh, with that theme today. Last week, we spoke about responding to grace and uh, this week, uh, I want to uh, speak to you about releasing his grace. Let love flow. So if you want to write that down, release grace, let love flow. If you have your Bibles with you, open up to Mark 10. And we'll read from verses 31 to 45. And if you're there, say, aha, so I know we're all there. So Mark 10, verses 31 to 45. That's where we'll be reading from. Are we there? Aha. Aha. If you're not there, say, oh, my. Mm, we've got a couple of oh, my's. Okay, as you open your Bibles, I'm going to begin reading. So this is... This is uh, an interesting story uh, of Jesus and his disciples. But this is what Jesus shares with them. They were on the road. So it says they were on the road up to Jerusalem. And Jesus was walking ahead of them. And they were amazed. And those who followed were fearful. And again he took the twelve aside and began to tell them what was going to happen to him. Behold... We are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be delivered to the chief priests and the scribes, and they will condemn him to death, and will hand him over to the Gentiles. They will mock him, spit on him, scourge him, and kill him, and three days later he will rise again. James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to, up to Jesus saying, Teacher, we want you to do something for us, whatever we ask you. And he said to them, what do you want me to do for you? They said to him, grant us that we may sit at your right hand and the other one on your left in your glory. But Jesus said to them, you do not know what you're asking. Are you able to drink of the cup that I will drink? Or be baptized with the baptism which I am baptized? They said to him, we are able and Jesus said to them, the cup that I drink, you shall drink. And you shall be baptized with the baptism which I am baptized. But to sit at my right hand and my left, this is not mine to give. But it is for those whom it has been prepared. Hearing this, the ten began to feel indignant with James and John. Calling, calling them to himself, Jesus said to them, you know that those who are recognized as rulers of the Gentiles, lorded over them, and the great men ex exercise authority over them. But it is not this way among you. But whoever wishes to become great among you will be your servant, and whoever wishes to be first among you shall be your slave, the slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. This is an interesting story that 
Jesus tells here, or an interesting occasion that he's having with his disciples. And uh, the request that uh, James and John make, and I'm sure you've heard it from many different angles, especially the part about where Jesus talks about serving, uh, and we're going to get into that a bit later on. But let's go back a bit to what led to this story being told. Or what would even make James and John ask Jesus this sort of question that, hey, can we sit on your right and left hand side in your glory? Jesus had just finished uh, telling them he was going away. If you read the context of the story before that, he had uh, told them the, the rich young ruler he had the encounter with the rich young ruler and the, the, the man is trying to justify himself before Jesus Christ and saying, I've done everything that is required of me of the law. What else can I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says to him, well, this one thing you should do, sell everything, give it to the poor and follow me. The Bible says that the rich man became very sorrowful as he had many possessions that he found this very difficult to do. So that's the context of this story. And, you know, then he says something that astonishes the disciples. He says to the disciples, well, it is difficult for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Well, the Bible says that the disciples were astonished at this comment. Then he went on to explain the comment a bit further. He says, you know, it's uh, not only difficult, it's, it's even easier for a camel to go through the, the eye of a needle than for a rich man who trusts in his riches to enter the kingdom of God. And then the Bible says the disciples were very, very astonished at his comment. Jesus went on, knowing what they were thinking, and he said to them, what is impossible with man is possible with God. And you must understand the context. Can you imagine what they've been thinking? Because Peter is the one that then echoes what the disciples are thinking. He says, Master, mm, uh, we have left everything to follow you. Are you saying we're following you in vain and we're not even going to become rich? Hmm? Are we just following you? We've left our houses, left everything, and now you're telling us we will not even become rich. And, you know, it's, it's even better for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. Jesus responds to Peter and he says, Truly I say to you, he that's left houses, brothers, sisters, wives, property, in the, for, the, for the sake of the kingdom, in this lifetime, we'll receive a hundredfold more with persecution. And they'll receive that in this age and in the age to come. So you may say to yourself, well, that sounds a bit better. Then, straight after that, Jesus begins to tell them about his death. So that is the context here. They've just had this encounter, we're following you for nothing. Are you following you and we're not even going to get rich? 
And uh, Jesus explains that, you know, you'll get a hundredfold in this lifetime and in the age to come. And he says, you know, the first shall be last and the last shall be first. You know, he goes through all that. And uh, it is in this context and this background that James and John say to him, ah, Lord. And, and uh, he's told them, you know, very soon I'll not be with you. Uh, but, you know, I'll, after three days I'll rise again. There's one thing that James and John got right. They're identified with Jesus being glorified. Let me ask you something. If you knew a certain company on the stock exchange, their share price was going to double, would you not go and buy their stock? If you knew that uh, there was an earthquake that was going to hit Zimbabwe, and the safest building to be was a celebration center. Would you not be found at the celebration center? So there was nothing wrong really with what James and John were asking. They were just saying, we know your stock is going to go up. We know that there's trouble coming, but you are a safe bet. We know that you are the winning horse. We want to be identified with you. We want to be where you are. But the context of what they were asking is just like the way you and I think. They didn't hear the first part or chose not to hear the first part that Jesus talked about. Talked about that I'm going to be scourged. Talked about that I'm going to be rejected. Talked about that I'm going to be crucified. Talked about that I'm going to die. They chose to ignore that part and they said, hey, give me the glory. Let me identify with the glory. And I can identify with that. That man, no one wants to identify with the suffering. None of us want to identify with the suffering. But listen to the way Jesus responds to them. When they ask him to identify with his glorification, when they ask him that, can we run with the winning horse? When they ask him that can we put our stock in the company that's going to succeed. When they ask him can we hide in the building that is surely not going to be destroyed. Jesus said you do not know what you're asking. Are you able to drink of the drink I am going to drink to get to that place? Are you able to get baptized with the baptism I am going to go through to get there? And he says, well, but to sit on my right hand, I cannot, I'm not the one that's going to sit. But they probably didn't understand the cup and the baptism that Jesus was talking about in that verse. What was he talking about? This cup is the same cup that we find referred to in the Garden of Gethsemane. When the horror of the crucifixion and abandonment was before him. Where he cried out, Abba, Father. All things are possible with you. Remove this cup from me. Yet not my will, but your will be done. This was the cup of death he was about to endure. You are saying to James and John, if you want to rule with me, if you want to be in glory with me, if you want to enjoy the benefits of being with me, the way you are asking, you must die with me. Mm, it's not a popular message. 
much easier to stand up here and say, blessed! You're blessed because you're in Christ, and you are. Jesus says to them, you must drink of the same cup. Maybe they did understand this baptism. But the baptism and the cup Jesus was talking about is also in Luke twelve fifty, where Jesus declared that I have a baptism to undergo and how I'm constrained until I accomplish it. Jesus saw his death not only as a bitter cup to drink, but an immersion of baptism in suffering. He said, in effect, my pathway to glory and to king and kingship is through suffering and death. If you want the kind of honor you're asking for, you must follow me in my suffering and death. Hmm. So what he has done is take the desire for glory and show them the path to glory is through the pathway of suffering and death. Hmm. The same response he gives to the disciples because the rest of the ten disciples were indignant with James and John. They were actually not indignant at the request that James and John made. It came across that way. But they were indignant because they were thinking the same thing. They were wanting the same thing and someone beat them to ask it. Jesus responds to them the same way. He says, though you know those who are Gentiles amongst you, but he brings more understanding and context. He says they lord it over them, that they rule over. And great men exercise great authority over them, but not so among you. If you desire, he addresses the root, they all desire to be great. If you desire to be great, then you shall be the servant. And if you desire to be first amongst all of you, then you shall be the slave of all. He tells them the same thing that he told James and John. If you want to be great with me in glory, you must drink of my cup. If the disciples want to get to greatness, they must be servants. They do it through serving. If you want to be first, like the way James and John want to be first, and ask for the highest place, you must be slave of all. What does it mean to be slave of all? In the context of verse 45, Jesus explains what it means. For he says this, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as ransom for many. Notice the point here is serving that results in dying. And most times we think about a physical dying. But the true essence and heart of serving involves a dying to self to promote another. That's what Jesus is talking about here. And he said they'll need to drink of this cup. He shows the disciples the pathway to greatness. He shows them his own example, his own path. 
This is the context of verse 45. It is a call to radical discipleship. If you want to follow me, if you want to seek the glory of the kingdom, be prepared to suffer. That's the way I'll go, and anyone who follows me will follow the same way. He's in effect saying in verse 45, a radical call to discipleship is a call to come and drink of the cup of suffering and service. The church is very quiet. The church is very, very quiet. You know, whenever you choose to serve, most of us came here this morning and walked into a place and found everything ready. Do you know there was someone who was here at 6 a.m., 5 a.m., to make sure that you and I could sit as comfortably as we are sitting now. Someone suffered, lost a few hours of sleep, walked in the cold to get here at this time. Someone died to their own desire. They wanted to sleep a little longer. They wanted to enjoy their pillow a little longer. But they paid the price thinking of you and I. Someone's died to self, someone died to their own selfishness to be here to serve. And it may be, if we ask the question starting from the front going to the back, if we ask the usher sitting over there, what time did you get here, sir? They'll tell you 10 to 6, 6.15. The further I walk towards the back, what time did you get up, sir? What time did you get here, sir? 9.30, 9.45. But someone died to self. Someone died to their comfort to get here and make sure something could happen for someone else. But I want to show you something that most of us miss in that passage of scripture. This is not just a call to serve Jesus, hmm. but a call to be served by Jesus as we serve others. Because Jesus says, I've not come to serve, be, to be served. I've come to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. Let me say that again. To be sure you heard it correctly. The good is that the radical call to Christian discipleship is not a call just to serve Jesus, but an open invitation to be served by Jesus as we serve others. And to be ransomed by him from death. But then you ponder for a few moments. It hits you. Wait a minute. This is not just an example that Jesus is giving us to serve as he served. He's not just giving us an example or a pathway to greatness through service. Jesus, the Son of Man, the Son of God, is saying he wants to serve me. Woo! He's saying he came to earth to serve me. By refusing to be served 
by Jesus, by him, is refusing for him to be our savior. Jesus, just before Passover, as he was preparing to face death, demonstrated this very most loving way of sharing God's love through service. Shared this very important way of releasing grace. They went into the upper room and when they got there with his disciples, Jesus wrapped a towel around himself, got a bowl and a basin of water, and uh, he knelt down and began to wash their feet. And I can just imagine what it was like in that room. As he knelt down to wash the feet, they were probably pulling their feet back and saying, no, 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 master. No, I should be doing that. No, no, Mr. President, you can't do that. I should be serving you. But Jesus is demonstrating a clear picture that the higher we go, the more we serve. He's demonstrating something that we have no concept of in Africa, where we believe the, the bigger the leader, the more he should be served, the more the servants. For Peter even says to him, Jesus, surely not I, you cannot wash my feet. And Jesus says to him, if I don't wash your feet, you have no part in me. You have no part in me if I don't wash your feet. Why? Jesus is saying, in as much as you serve others, I serve you. Because that whole picture, that whole picture is this. In the Jewish tradition, when you got to a house as a guest, because you walked in sandals, your feet would be dusty. The, the guest would give you a dish and wash your feet as a sign to refresh you. As a sign to say, you have walked this way. You've labored to get it. Let me serve and refresh you. So when Peter says to Jesus, uh, since you've said you wash my feet, you might as well wash my whole body. Jesus says to him, no, your whole body is already clean, but your feet need to be washed. Why? The feet carry the gospel of peace, the Bible says. It's very symbolic. So when Jesus is washing those, he's washing the service of the gospel. The carrier, the instruments that carry the gospel. He's, he's, he's saying to his disciples, as I have done for you, and you are not greater than me. The student can never be greater than his master. But as I have done for you, for you, do for one another. Wash each other's feet. Serve one another. And it gives us a, a, a clear picture that as we serve one another, as we go about serving the, the, the king of kings, serving one another, serving others, he in turn serves us, refreshes us, washes our feet. The kingdom is this wonderful picture of providence, of giving and receiving. 
And Jesus paints that picture with Peter. He says, I must serve you, and you must allow me to. In the same way, when you were here in CMI, it's not just about, hey, let's get together, let's serve, let's serve Pastor Tom and Bonnie. No. The chief servants are that they get to serve us as we serve. It's a wonderful circle. They died himself to serve us, to bring the word of God to us, to wash our feet and refresh us. That's why God wants us connected to one another. In this demonstration of love through service, Jesus came here on earth and he says, my, my, my food is to do the will of my father and complete his assignment that he sent me for. He demonstrates that not by coming as one who wants to be served, but by serving you and I. And by serving you and I, he's fulfilling his father's mandate. In the same way, when we serve one another, we're fulfilling Christ's mandate and his grace runs through us. Just like the grace of God, the love of God, the anointing of God flowed through Christ as he went about doing good, healing and delivering all of those that were oppressed of the devil, the same grace flows through our lives. The same love flows through our lives. The same anointing flows through our lives as we release that grace and serve one another. That's why involvement is the key to our core. It's the key to our core to discipleship. We must allow Christ to serve us. We must allow those above us to serve us. Because in the same way, we commit ourselves to serve others. How do I then serve Jesus? If Jesus says he's come to serve me, you fulfill his mandate by serving others. You get a heart for his heart. We don't make it useless or count it for nothing, the reason he went to the cross and died and ransomed his life for many. We found in the place where we can serve one another. I want to show you something very quickly. But before I get there, I want to say this. Jesus said, in John 15, verse 5, he says, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him will bear much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from Christ, we can do nothing. We cannot drink of his cup apart from Christ. Apart from allowing him to minister to us, we cannot get up at 6 o'clock at five o'clock to serve others. We have to have a mentality that says, Christ, I abide in you and I'm willing for you to serve me. And I show my service to you by serving others. The manifestation and evidence of God's love is revealed in the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ serving us and ransoming himself by his death for us. Let love flow. Let the anointing flow. Let grace flow. 
I want to show you a picture real quick. I need someone that will volunteer and play God. I need someone to be God. Anyone, volunteer. I need someone who say, I'll be God. I've got, I've got someone that will be God. Thank you, sir. Uh, I don't mean to hurry you, but God, run up and get here. Okay. Is this a nice class? Nice class, eh? Yes? Okay. So this glass is a container, and so is that glass. This here is water. Say it's refreshing. It's God's grace, God's divine enablement. It is his anointing on your life. So, uh, God, I would like you to pour out the anointing. So there's the anointing being poured out, being poured out. The anointing is being poured out. Pour out the anointing, Lord. Pour out, pour it out. Pour it out in our hearts, Lord. Pour it. When we say pour, 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 pour. Pour. Can I have a microphone, please? Uh, Excuse me, sir, God. I said pour. Why have you stopped? Can I have a microphone, quickly? Why have you stopped pouring, Lord? Okay, go ahead. The glasses are full, that's why I stopped. You see, a lot of us have the anointing, God's refreshment, God's grace left in heaven because the container is full. There's so much that God has for us in heaven. There's so much that he has in store for us. But the container cannot take any more. And as natural as it was for him to stop pouring when the container was full, do we expect God to keep pouring? He says, if you are faithful with little, I will entrust you with much. If he keeps pouring, he puts to waste his precious anointing. Because the container has got nowhere for it to go. Let's move over here, God. Let's just... How many of you like this container? Too small, hey? Too small. Too small. Ain't pretty looking, isn't it? Not useful for anything. Lord, may I ask you to pour? Lift it up. That's a useless container. Just like the disciples were 12 ordinary men. But they allowed Jesus to keep pouring. Because as much as he poured out into them, he says, you're going to drink of this same cup. There was through flow for them to pour into someone else. And in as much as he poured into someone else, You see, the containers are running out. You start calling for other containers. He sends help. I need more containers. You keep pouring. Keep pouring. That's the anointing. That's the refreshing. That's Jesus washing our feet as I'm pouring. Oh, has it run out? God calls his angels. 
He says, bring some more of this anointing. Bring some more of this grace. Let's pour it out. I found a vessel that I can use. I found a vessel who can share my love. I found a vessel we can pour through. It doesn't matter what the vessel looks like. It doesn't matter whether they're riches or not. My anointing can flow through them. My grace can flow through them. And it can begin to touch many. Whereas this is pretty nice, nice looking, and you name it, it can only contain so much because it's not others-minded. It's not thinking of anyone else. It's thinking of itself only. And it keeps pouring. And we may need some more. So God summons angels from above. He says, let's go and help that one. Let's go and pour in that one. That one is useful for something. Wash that one's feet. That one I will serve. Adam was busy in the garden. Working. God says, man, this guy is busy. We're pouring out, send him help. Send him, oh, no, 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 it is not good for him to be alone. Let's get him some help. Got many men who are single saying, I want to be married. Why should God send you help? For what? So you can pour, waste his anointing, waste his grace. You'll share, your, you'll share his love with nobody, let alone a woman who's called you to love as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for the church. Show me that you can release some grace. Show me that you can release some love. How many glasses have we filled now? It's still going. That useless vessel is still pouring. And guess what? As the horse pipe waters, it gets wet. That's God's grace and favor that he desires to pour through us. Pastor Tom said this. Thank you very much. Can we? He says it is important for us to put a demand on God to flow through us. It requires you and I to be available for others. Outward looking, be willing to be used of God. Supernatural encounters will increase as you live for others and are looking to meet their needs. Involvement is the key to our call to discipleship in Christ. Keys to following Christ. Keys to being Christ-like. It is through it that you and I are known as his disciples. Jesus says, a new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another as I have loved you, as I have, have come to serve you and not be served by you, as I have chosen to give my life and die to self, die to my selfish ways, die to my selfish needs for you, so you are to love one another. He says, by doing this shall all men know that you are my disciples. How are you and I known as disciples? You see, Christ told the story of the sheep and goats. He says the sheep will be put on his right side and the goats on his left. The sheep will inherit the kingdom of God. Why? Because he says they took care of me, they clothed me, they visited me when I was in hospital. And he says they asked, they said, when did we do this, Lord? He says, when you did it for the least amongst you. When you did it not for yourself, but you did it for someone else, you did it for me. 
When you served someone else, you served me. When you loved someone else, you loved me. And it is my good pleasure to give you, to serve you in turn and give you the kingdom. The goats, he says, you are condemned to internal perishment. Why? Because he says, when I was sick, you didn't visit me. When I was in hospital, you didn't come see me. When I was in prison, you didn't. Uh, when I needed clothing, you didn't clothe me. He says, when, when did we not do that, Lord? He says, when you didn't do it for the least of these amongst you. The kind of service cannot happen unless we do it for one another here first. Because we cannot be expected to go out and love the world if we cannot love each other here. If we cannot practice hospitality right here in the home, it will be hypocritical. Which father would love to hear that his son goes next door, washes the dishes next door, washes the washing next door, uh, 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 does the chores next door, does all the sweeping next door, and then comes home and lies in bed in a filthy room, doesn't do any of the chores at home, serves no one at home. It's hypocritical. It's hypocritical for you to say, oh, I'm giving towards uh, 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 the children's homes. When you cannot love the brother that you're sitting next to in his house. Oh, 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 but I, I, I give. Yes, all oh, that is brilliant. But show me your fruit. Show me the evidence of your love. Show me the willingness to die to self by not wanting to be served, but wanting to serve. What would this picture look like if 3,000 people came to church every week to serve? I'm telling you, we'd have empty containers in this church, seats for people to fill. And enough of God's grace and love for him to keep pouring out and pouring out and call reinforcements and say, that one is worthy for his feet to be washed. Keep washing him, baby. Pour out the anointing. Pour out. It is so. We cannot say, God, give me the anointing. Give me the anointing. Give me grace. Give me grace. What for? We're tempting the Lord. We're asking God to go against his own word. He will not do that. You know, as we serve others, Christ serves us, looks out for us. The anointing, Pastor Tom, in the 2018 words say, he said, the anointing works like a pump. It flows where there's a demand. As we serve and look to him, he sends us his grace to work through us. It's one thing for us to respond to his grace, but the correct response is for us to release the grace of God. Release the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Release the love of God by being others-minded. That's why it's so key in the 2018 word. 
And supernatural encounters happen as we begin to serve, as we begin to love one another the way he commanded us. First in his house, then outside. I want to play a testimony. We're heading towards action. And I believe that's a wonderful banquet. We have action and stadium worship coming. It's a wonderful banquet for us to get involved. In this church, we have just over 10% of the people who are involved actively in serving everyone. What would this picture look like if we each played our part? If we each took a measure of the grace that God has poured in our lives to meet another person's need. If we each became a conduit that God could flow through, do we not believe that God would someone help, call on resources to meet our own needs so we could keep serving and working for his kingdom? I believe that. I want you to watch this. My name is uh, Dr. Mandy Lamini. Uh, I've been a dentist for about 13 years now. Uh, I've been uh, part of Celebration Church since I was a student, and that's since 2002. So we're on 16 years now uh, being part of Celebration Church Borodale. Um, when I joined the church, uh, I joined the cell group, and I uh, began being mentored through the cell group and through cross-culture. Um, and through the medical team, where I had at least four mentors who would encourage me um, throughout my journey as a young Christian woman through medical school um, and through other issues as well. Um, in 2003, I attended Action for the first time, and I remember uh, it being the night before a very difficult anatomy exam that I had to pass in order to continue with my medical school. And I remember um, the preacher that uh, evening uh, said, uh, prophesied over us and said that tonight God will meet you at your point of need and uh, tomorrow in the next 24 hours you will have a miracle. And I remember going for my exam and uh, the last uh, things that I had read uh, the night before were the things that came up in the exam the next day. And that really helped me. I had been studying for the whole year but what I decided to go over came out during the exam. And so I proceeded to pass uh, that examination and I went into my third year. And a couple of years later, I finished my medical school and I graduated second in class. Uh, five years later, in 2008, at Action, uh, I was serving in the floor team as I'd been advised by my mentors. And uh, one evening, I was introduced to a young man by the name of Sif, uh, through his flatmate, who happened to be part of the floor team as well. Uh, we met, we chatted. Uh, a couple of weeks later, we met at Cross Culture. A few weeks after that, uh, we met um, here and there at church. And uh, about four months later, he uh, proposed marriage to me. And two years later, we were married. And now we've been married eight years. We have two children, a lovely five-year-old, and a lovely one-year-old boy called Likwalengosi. So for me, action is a wonderful time. Uh, I remember all these testimonies, the medical school testimony, 
and the testimony of meeting my husband, Sifanele. And I would really encourage everyone to come to action, to serve in action, sowing off their time and off their finances, because God is faithful and meets you at your point of need every single time. Have any of you ever gone to a wedding banquet and uh, the bride and groom not showed up? No? What would it feel like if the bride and groom didn't show up for a wedding, they invited you? So if God appoints feasts for us to meet with him, and if men, men, as sinful and as uh, short of the glory of God that we four can remain faithful to attend a banquet that we invite people. What more God at feast times and banquets like, that he set apart, an action for us is one of them, where God says he'll meet with us. He's with us every day, but he wants to pour out his grace at those kind of banquets and feasts. He said to the children of Israel, three times a year you'll meet with me. God is faithful to meet with us at these banquets. He is so faithful, he says, if you are unfaithful not to show up, I'll go into the highways and byways and find those that can come to my banquet. So there's a banquet that's available. This action and the stadium worship. But we cannot do it without you. I want to read something which Pastor Bonnie has been repeating to us the whole year. Jesus answered them. He said, love your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind. And love your neighbor as you love yourself. And Jesus said to him, you answered correctly, do this and you will live. How many of you here would like an encounter with God? Do it for your neighbor. How many of us would like to be healed? Do it for your neighbor. Financial breakthrough. Do it for your neighbor. Would like to be married? Serve at someone's wedding. He says, as you love yourself, love your neighbor. Do this and you will live. Romans 12, verses 1 to 8 says this. He says, therefore I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable before God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, nor be transformed, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may prove the will of God, which is, prove the will of God, which is, which is the good, acceptable, and perfect. For through the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of yourself more highly than you ought to, but to think so as to have sound judgment, as God has allotted to each a measure of faith. 
For just as we have many members in one body, and all the members do not have the same function, so we are many are in one body in Christ and, and individually members one of another. Since we have gifts and dif that differ according to the grace given to us, each one of us ought to exercise them accordingly. If prophecy accordingly uh, prophesy in proportion to his faith. If service in his serving. If teaching in his teaching. If in exhortation, in e if he exhorts, in exhortation. If he gives, let him do it liberally. If he leads, let him do it di diligently. For he shows mercy and cheerfulness. God wants us to use the measure of faith, grace that he pours on our lives for us to serve. Serve one another, serve within his body, serve the world. Thanks for listening. For more teachings and videos, visit celebrationmen.org.